Welcome to the Selby is Godcast alongside TJ Zuppi. I'm Zach Meisel. And TJ, this is it. This is the last episode we will ever record, the two of us. How are you feeling about it? Wait, what? I missed the memo. What? What's happening? Oh, because I've been planning to hike a mountain today. Um, but I've been told that I will probably get bitten by a rattlesnake and die. So this is it. Is, is that the right phrasing, hike a mountain? Do you go hiking on a mountain? Hiking like, do you actually hike the mountain? I, I see I'm, I'm not up to speed on it because that seems like it would be the last thing I would ever want to do, not only because of the animals or uh, creatures you could run into along the way. It also sounds like there's some physical uh, exercise involved, and that just doesn't seem like it would be up my alley, so... I'm perfectly fine just sitting on the couch and binge watching Netflix over doing that. That sounds like a better use of my time. Well, like my hero, Michael Scott from The Office, uh, my greatest fear is snakes. And (laughs) I made the mistake. This is the second or third day I've been out here where I've been planning. All right, I'm going to take the afternoon off. I'm going to go for a long, nice hike. Um, And then every time... That day comes, though, the night before, I will just Google snakes on Australia Mountain. <laughs> and I was still dead set on going today. And then as I left the Indians complex this morning, I ran into Jack Efta, who is I don't know how to describe him in less than 20 minutes. But he is who you want on your side if you're ever in a fight with like a bear or uh <laughs> Anything, like if you need to survive something, he's, he's your guy. And he said to take a knife and a concealed carry with me in case I see snakes and that he hopes he sees me tomorrow, but there, nothing is guaranteed. <laughs> so now I'm freaking out. So if we could just make this podcast last like 10 hours until the sun goes down, uh, that would be splendid. Yeah, it doesn't sound very cool. Now, you said Bart Swain, uh, Indians PR guy head turns you on to one trail in particular and you're laying it out and my only question is is it's not like the oregon trail right it's not where you're gonna have to ration your food and run into illness along the way i would rather die from dysentery today than get bit by a rattlesnake i'll tell you that he no he asked me on my way out and this is everyone is so sick of me talking about this at the complex because like everybody there has it's you read these reviews of these trails and they're like, I brought my seven year old and we had a great time. And yet here's this 29 year old who's like deathly terrified <laughs> of something that probably is not going to uh, interfere with my hike anyway. But yeah, Bart Swain recommended a hike to me and I looked it up and it's it's eight miles. It's uphill. And it, it, the first description is it pushes hikers out of their comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, that's where you want to be. Right. Your, your comfort zone is walking more than a hundred feet beyond the complex. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure this one falls into your category, sir. And, and this is someone like I take my dog in Cleveland on hikes through the Metro parks on a daily basis. I mean, we just started exploring uh, the Brexville reservation last month before I came out here. And like the, I think the day before I came out here, we did uh, like this two hour hike and it was super icy and a lot of Hills. And like, I love that. And then, but I know there are probably not going to be rattlesnakes when I'm in the Metro parks in, in Cleveland, Ohio. So I just, I have like the yips. I, I can't get it out of my head. I don't blame you. <laughs> I can't, 
I can't even imagine what I would do if I ran into a snake or a scorpion, or I might even just be terrified if a tumbleweed blows in front of me because I would just have thought of every worst case scenario in every movie ever imagined. I remember just being terrified my first time in Goodyear walking from the Comfort Inn Suites, which is what, two miles up the road from the Indians complex, something mm-hmm. like that. Walking from there to the complex. And first of all, everything out there feels like the desert because it just does. And I remember just like halfway through that walk thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. And it's like one of the most, most main intersections and streets in Goodyear where there's as many snakes as there are fast food restaurants. It really wasn't that terrifying, but that's how it felt in the middle of it. So I don't know that I would be, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there with you currently where you would be trying to convince me to go with you because that would not be happening. And last thing I had pulled up one other trail I was considering right before we started this. And I just happened to glance at my screen and saw the word words mountain lion. So <laughs> I, think, I think I might just uh, hang by the pool today. And I have no segue to go from this topic of conversation to the baseball team in Cleveland. Uh, but uh, I did speak with Hanley Ramirez this morning. I thought that would be a good place to start. I also want to talk about, I think we could have a deeper discussion about Trevor Bauer, kind of the state of baseball, what he's trying to do. Um, we saw the, the mic'd up video from the other day. And, and I think that there's a lot there, just what, how he can help baseball, basically. But I want to start real quick with Hanley Ramirez, because I know you wrote about him and you investigated his, whether there's anything left in his tank um, and... Tito we're just said, trying to see if the shoulder issues of the past were proof that he was snake bit or uh, <laughs> things are all right. See, that would have been a perfect segue. That's a good point. Tito said they hope he's a middle of the order bat. Now, that doesn't mean they're banking on that. But then Hanley Ramirez goes, oh, I will be. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> all right, well, uh, we'll see uh, if the guy was actually pretty enlightening today talking to him. Um and this is a guy who's 35 who was making $23 million last year and is now in a minor league deal where he gets a little bit of meal money and some cool swag. And other than that, it's go prove you still have something left. Well, let's hope it, he can it, update the duffel bag so he's not having it towed around the Red Sox bag anymore around the Indians complex. Yeah. That's good. Ha- Are you confident him. in him? Are you skeptical? See, here's the Both? thing. It's, it's, it was weird. Um, we had – that night that it, it happened, you know, we were debating it a little bit. And initially, my first thought is it's thinking surface level. This is someone that signed a mega deal with the Red Sox. We know it didn't go well outside of really one year with, with Boston. Defensively, it was atrocious, a complete train wreck to the point where he really can only play first base a little bit. And on this roster, there's no reason for him to play first base at all. You have two better first basemen already here. And probably a couple of other guys, probably Max Moroff can pick up a first base glove and do it more consistently than than Hanley can at this point. So we're talking just about his offense. And he was released in in May last year. Uh, He's had shoulder issues dating back to 2017. It kind of sapped his power. He had a procedure in the offseason before 2018, got off to a great start, and then just was dreadful in May. And then 
the Red Sox went in a different direction. They can say, well, it's because we didn't have the playing time, whatever. But if they if they really thought he could still be a difference-making bat, they wouldn't have released him. So all of that on the surface, what's your first takeaway? Uh, yeah, of course you're going to be skeptical and, and cynical. And uh, the beauty of that is usually you look at all, all these situations, and if you're cynical and skeptical about all of them, you're pretty much right on, what, 95%? That's just how this goes. Uh, so I thought it would be worthwhile digging in because I know some people had brought up he still hit the ball hard last year, which was true, but I wanted to see why that didn't necessarily translate into a better uh, WRC plus or better OPS and all those different little things. And so you can read the article if you want to go super in depth on it, but it is true that he still found a way to hit the ball hard. And I think that's encouraging. So it's like two different schools of thought here. One, it's looking at it and going, well, he hit the ball hard. Yes, but he hit the ball on the ground a lot. And he's another year older um, at 35 guys just don't typically just regenerate their careers at this point. So there's a hefty dose of, of cynicism and skepticism there. The positive is you can look at it and say, well, I mean, he still found ways to hit the ball 117 miles per hour last year. Uh, that's not by accident. <laughs> if you do that once and you do it a few times where you're hitting the ball over 110 miles per hour and you have a pretty good hard contact rate, there's probably something to that. And maybe there's just some minor tweaks and adjustments he can make in another year. Uh, removed from shoulder surgery, he's still capable of being an above-average bat. So I think through that ex- exercise, I came away still very skeptical, but probably a little less cynical about it than I was initially. So I feel like there's a few things there that you can kind of kind of look at and say, eh, it's a little bit intriguing, but I'm still not holding my breath that this guy is going to be like a 110, 120 WRC plus kind of guy. I'm interested to see, because it's not like they're going to, say all right you got to hit 350 this spring to make the team it's just going to be about the mechanics you know is the bat speed there can you catch up to a 98 mile an hour fastball can you do you, do you have strength <laughs> like have you been hitting the the, the weight room because he didn't play after the end of may last season and then he, he played winter ball and hit all right there so it, it's going to be interesting to see okay first of all do we see enough where we can say all right you're on the opening day roster but then also how long of a leash do you give him? Yeah. We've seen it's varied from player to player over the years here. We're like Juan Uribe lasted till the beginning of August. Um, other guys don't last that long. Some guys survive the season. So it, it's, it's always tricky because it also has ramifications on the rest of your roster. And, and you're probably playing Jake Bowers in left field then. And then <clears throat> that means one less outfield spot for everybody else. So, this is this is interesting, and I don't know. Like, this is why they get paid what they get paid to make these decisions. Because this is, I think, more challenging than just two young outfielders vying for one spot. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at him this spring and you see a guy that's similar to where he was at last year, my guess is they'll give him the opportunity to go into the season and see what happens um i I think he would have to be real bad this spring and just look like he has completely fallen off for them to not give him any sort of shot that's just my first impression um especially when they hand him you know when guys are moving their jersey numbers around for him and i feel like okay that's something maybe i can sort of read into this a little bit that it seems like they're giving him a pretty healthy leash at least initially the other thing he's got going for him is he hits right-handed unlike everybody else in the team. So mm-hmm. guy that can, I mean, if you look at the numbers the last three years, he's still been pretty good against lefties. 
actually go back 2017, he kind of sucked against lefties, but 16 and 18, he was really good against lefties. They need that. I mean, we talked about it. I've written about it. I, I thought an Evan Gaddis would have made some sense as kind of like a platoon uh, DH and maybe in a pinch could slide behind the plate if you ever had a problem or something like that. But just a guy that could hit left-handed pitching. Maybe that that's what they envision, if nothing else, Hanley can be. But does this roster have the flexibility? Can they afford to carry a platoon DH on their bench? when they have platoon areas and other parts of the roster that they also need to be mindful of in right field and left field, maybe even in center field. Uh, I don't know. So that, that's some questions going to have to be answered this spring, but all, all in all, I mean, if you're looking at it and being skeptical about it, I understand why you should be. The other side of that is this is a minor league deal. There's no harm in taking a closer look at him. And if he's completely dreadful, then, you sever ties like he cut his hair, which was kind of jarring when you sent out the photo. Yeah, I think that's all we can say about Hanley Ramirez. I didn't think we would be talking about Hanley Ramirez in 2019. <laughs> I didn't know Hanley Ramirez was still alive before they signed him. I mean, it's it's you couldn't find his name on any free agent list. There, there were no rumors about him. And now they like maybe he'll hit fourth. It's strange. <laughs> Very yeah. bizarre. What a what a weird offseason this has been. All right. So let's switch gears here. So you watched the video. It's like three and a half minutes. Trevor Bauer mic'd up for his for for his first spring training outing. What just what did you did you enjoy that? Do you want more of that? No, I think guys should just be professional and not talk. Just go do your job and shut up, man. That's what you ought to do. No, it wasn't. Right, thanks for joining us today on the Selby's Godcast, everybody. Make sure you uh, listen and, and report what TJ said at the end. Shut up and pitch, man. I thought it was really enjoyable. I'm always looking at those sorts of things like, okay, how much of that is just playing up for the mic and how much of it is just kind of natural? But I can even remove some of that and just watch it and find it to be enjoyable. Um, it is fun to see especially the parts where he's talking to himself on the mound. Um, again, some of that is probably played up for the mic, but when you see plenty of opportunities or chances where pitchers are out there talking to themselves and you wonder what the hell they're saying to themselves. Uh, Bauer's a guy that is paying attention to his velocity all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's not mic'd up and yelling at himself for throwing a ball 92 where he thinks he should be throwing at 94 or 95. But I thought it was just uh, another side of I know this is something that he's trying to do with players and uh, with his momentum brand and, and trying to just showcase more of the personal side of players. I thought that just helped kind of expand that that goal. And I don't think anybody could watch it. I mean, unless you're just really a crotchety kind of jackass, you could watch it and not find some enjoyment in, in somewhere in that video. Yeah. I mean, this is simple logic, but, like, that's what baseball needs more than anything. I, I think we spend so much energy debating all these different little ways to maybe, at the end, shave five or six minutes off of a baseball game every night, which is fine. If you want to make it more efficient, I don't have a problem with that. But the amount of attention and energy that's devoted to that and, and for people to think that that's what's going to rope in a younger generation and a new audience, it's completely misguided. You need your athletes to be more visible. Uh, so for full disclosure, I chatted with Trevor Bauer for almost 90 minutes uh, this week. 
about this topic and other things. And you can read more about this on The Athletic in the coming days. But we, we agreed on one point, which was like the NBA probably to too much of a degree has the focus on the players and not the teams where it's, you know, the story of the season has almost been the Anthony Davis debacle and a player on a team that is crappy is like in the news cycle every single day. And yet in baseball, you know, Anthony Davis is probably more, more famous than any baseball player. We're Bauer and I were debating, you know, if you went up to just a hundred random people on the street, how many could name, how many would know who Mike Trout is? 50 maybe probably less yeah like that well he's and he's even an outlier where he's openly trying to avoid the spotlight i mean you maybe have more success with bryce harper but i mean the point is taken yeah so so i think it's not about pace of play like yeah there are things you could tweak but it's about marketing your players because baseball has turned into such a regional sport and it's all about the teams and it's more so about the teams in the bigger markets too and it leaves no room for like play like there are just no players that are household names it's it's a shame it's like Derek Jeter is still the most famous player in the league and he's been out of it for four years so I think they need to find ways to ways to connect are take people behind the scenes like they've never seen before and mic up players and have players talking to other players. Um, I know Bauer and Clevenger are going to launch a podcast this season. Look how successful the Cavs were with that, with Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye. And and you would tune into that just to hear those guys shoot the shit with one of the Cavs players about their favorite movies or stuff like that. Like, it's so simple. Um, but baseball has made it for so long so difficult to get access to its stars and or, or even its, its regular players. And I completely understand Trevor Bauer has a polarizing reputation. He admitted he needs to improve the perception of him if he wants this to work long term. And he has plans to do that. Um, But I respect the hell out of him for trying to do what Major League Baseball has struggled to do for so long. And I I almost think has refused to do for so long. And then that's market its players in a way that's going to help the the sport in the long term because they are way behind the NBA and the NFL. Well, think even beyond players too, there have been people on social media that have tried to uh, grow the sport or bring a different element or just come up with something cool. That pitching ninja account, you know, that has, I mean, it's, it's like a household name among uh, baseball fans. And all he really started doing was just taking video of guys delivery and lining it up with other pitches and just making pitchers look awesome uh, and highlighting something that, you know, a lot of people have talked about as like a negative, well, all these strikeouts and ah, the game is boring and well, take uh, something that is really excelling right now. And that's the number of pitchers that are just absolutely freaking filthy and highlight them every single night and show all this devastating stuff that they throw and, and why hitters, you know, everybody that goes, Oh, we'll just make more contact or oh, just hit the ball to left field and avoid the shift. All right, man. Well, how about you watch this to count and see how freaking awesome these guys are. Um, and yet major league baseball was for a while making life difficult on accounts like that where, yeah. Okay. I, I get, they, they want to have their hands in every pie and they want to make sure that people aren't 
profiting off of them without their uh, approval and all those sorts of different things. But man, look at the NBA. The, the NBA is full of those accounts where they just pick out little videos from games and uh, come up with funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NBA memes uh, are tremendous and what they uh, social media, what they do just blows pretty much every sport out of the water. And you have people that are trying to do that with baseball and they're running into obstacles from who, from the freaking sport. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And so major league baseball, instead of turning their nose up at things like this or thinking, well, you don't have the correct licensing to, showcase these sorts of things okay yeah maybe work those sorts of things out but don't try to get people to not do those things uh don't it doesn't make sense that you would put those sorts of hurdles in anybody's way for anybody that's just trying to improve that part of the game because there are there are so many stars that are interesting uh, that are better than anybody that's ever played the game before. I mean, the talent that is in baseball right now is sick. But yet, I feel like the conversation so much about the sport is about what's wrong with the sport. And yeah, there are things that could be improved. Absolutely. Every sport has those things. But take some time to uh, to dig in on those personalities and, and show the, the lighter side, the fun side, uh, or even when it's competition show that side you know it doesn't matter but just take people behind the curtain a little bit um and and make it a little bit more about the personalities i think they'll be pleasantly surprised what that does to the health of their game we interrupt this podcast for a breaking news alert according to john Heyman of mlb network uh bryce harper assigned with the phillies wow i can't say i'm surprised um that ends Months of speculation and pointless smoke screens. <laughs> uh, we'll be interested to see final number, but and this isn't a big baseball podcast. We're focusing on the Indians, but didn't it feel like it had to be the Phillies? <laughs> Anybody else? If Philadelphia came away, if when it off season when they said they're going to spend stupid money and don't come away with the two mega stars uh, of the free agent mm-hmm. class, and look at San Francisco, who I guess was chasing Bryce Harper. Well, they're going to add Bryce Harper and still be bad. So they don't really need him. And then like the Dodgers, the Dodgers are already great. So they don't need Bryce Harper, but man, it seemed like the Phillies absolutely needed him. So thank God this is finally over. Uh, before it's out there, any guess as to what uh, the contract is? I'm going to say 10 for three. Oh, so you think he does better. Uh, yeah. As far as, uh, overall contract value uh i'm gonna say 10 where we're going opt out we're going opt out after three uh nine opt outs nine opt outs uh doesn't surprise me that nolan arenado set his opt out up for right when the cba would be expiring giving him that option of i think 10 for 315. Okay. And opt out after three years. That's that's my final, final, final say. All right. So back to Bauer. Um, do you think do you think the perception of him needs to change for him to be this trailblazer? He he said I don't want to give up give away too much from what's what's coming next week and the week after, but he he acknowledged 
he is polarizing. There are people that do not like him and, and wish he would just stop talking forever. Um, and he admitted that like, he is partly responsible for his perception being that way. Um, and at the same time, so he he said, yes, he needs it to improve. He wants it to improve, but also from a business standpoint, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's something to that. I also feel like we're so deep into him, into Trevor being a thing in baseball that all it's ever going to do is probably just reinforce the ideas that you already have about the guy. So I don't, if those that have already made up their mind and just don't like him, I don't know that they're ever going to change, even if he drastically mm-hmm. changes. And if he does a complete 180 and his entire personality changes, I could see actually people that like him going back to the other side and saying, well, you kind of changed as a person. I respected you and you were just you, even if it meant being an asshole, you were just you. So I, I think provided he doesn't do anything just completely egregious, I think if he just kind of continues on the same path that he's been on, I think he's fine. Okay. Do you think he has to drastically change? Because I, I feel like there would be some people that would lose respect for him uh, and could just sense that he was being more fake for whatever reason if he made some drastic changes. But the thing is, and I don't want to get into a debate about whether he's a jerk or a good person. I mean, that's up to whoever wants to make that. That's up to each individual person to decide that. Yeah, he... he... This is it's tough. I don't want to sound like I'm like justifying everything he's ever done. I, I think he's said and tweeted some shit that he shouldn't have. And it makes you say, like, what are you doing, man? Um, at the same time, I think he has he has his mind in the right place a lot. And like we talked about how, you know, the SI story that came out last week, the dating rules got all the attention. But there was a lot of stuff in there that should have received more attention. I mean, I, I think the most egregious thing or, or not egregious, but like the thing that, uh, by the way, I nailed it. Three thirty ah, for Bryce. Of course. Well, we'll have no proof of that because you could have seen that earlier and I have no, no way of knowing. I should be an agent. Uh, anyway, I, I think like, like, yes, there, there, there's baggage there, but he's also become a really good teammate helping a lot of his teammates. Um, whether you want to use it as character assassination or not, he donated a shit ton of money last year. Like he does good things. He he's doing this. Like like he is trying to revamp Major League Baseball's marketing, and he's doing this out of his own pocket. Like it's not like someone's paying him to to be mic'd up. Like he's paying for all this video production and for this this company that he hopes gets off the ground and like he's trying to do major league baseball a favor he's doing the rest of the players in the league a favor um so i think he hopes that that becomes the narrative instead of uh this guy who taunts people on twitter and speaks his mind and is way too blunt about things just wants more attention so i i I don't know i think it's complicated I, i do think I mean, he, he said he has plans this season for how to help improve his perception and and just maybe become – because he's going to be – if he's going to be a trailblazer, you can't 
you have to have a lot of people behind you. And I don't think you can be divisive. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also think he can't he can't do it to a level where he is ever coming off fake because there's a lot of people out there that just appreciate him for being who he is. Uh, baggage and all, warts and all, because we're, nobody, is, nobody is capable of just never having any missteps along the way. There are things that everybody would like to have do-overs on or things that they would not even not necessarily have a do-over, but just maybe handle better. And he's even admitted that in the past. So I, I don't disagree with you there. I just don't think it should ever be a case where um, he's out there kissing babies and <laughs> doing the, the the politician act. I don't think that works for him. I think he just has to be him, but just maybe be more empathetic <laughs> to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the times that he ever that he has been that way, I don't ever get the sense that he's doing it or he's ever thinking about it in a malicious way. He just is sometimes so honest that he doesn't shy away from it. And in other situations, maybe we would handle it a little bit more delicately because we would be concerned about how that would be taken from other people. And he doesn't always think about that in the moment. Yeah. Like I think of, I think of his comment about uh, Cody Allen's curveball. And I think the way he put it was as blunt as you could as blunt could be could he have said that in a way where it would have not carried as much of a hard slap against either Cody or just veteran players yeah and could he have said it in such a way that maybe it would have opened people up to him being correct about that perhaps so I mean that that's kind of what we're talking about here the, the his overall point it could still be the same but maybe it's just being a little bit less prickly about it i guess that's that's the best way i can think of it yeah i also don't know we don't know how the cody allen situation sure. unfolded that might have just been bauer speculating i don't know if he ever actually asked cody allen i don't know if cody allen ever brought it up with him i mean it, it's i don't read too much into that um but no i mean you're right uh, and and i think he knows it and it's it's going to be interesting to follow it this season i think you know what we've seen so far has been pretty cool i know he's got a lot planned with clevenger and some other guys i'd love to see more jose ramirez uh, be featured and let the world get to know his personality more so there's there's plenty of potential it's just a matter of you know having it catch on and and maybe it sparks other people to come up with other ideas that just helps this movement here yeah, agreed. And hopefully Major League Baseball doesn't step anybody's way to prevent mm-hmm. them from doing that because that would be a big shame. Because not only <clears throat> does it stop uh, Bauer from doing it in the future, but as you said, there are people that maybe are thinking about other ways to do it and they're, they could see um, the pitching ninja saga. They could see Bauer get shut down and they could say, well, it's not even worth it. The sport just doesn't want anybody stepping on their toes and so it's Let's just leave it as it is. And that's a shame because, you know, we've been in uh, many different uh, clubhouses and different variations of this Indians clubhouse. And we've seen uh, guys be funny and uh, we've seen personality shine through that a sixth inning reliever isn't going to get to necessarily show on the mound in a middle of a seven to one game. 
but there is personality in there and it's in every clubhouse and it would be nice if some of that could be featured a little bit more. And we, we keep saying like a lot of the same talking points over and over that baseball needs to do a better job of this, but props to Trevor. He's actually trying to do something about it. Yeah. And, and we talked a lot about the, the media landscape too. His platform is going to be solely video. Um, and, and then he'll have the podcast too, but it's interesting. Like I think, at the athletic, like we try, we're not going to bore you with game stories and notes. Like that's stuff you can get on Twitter. You can get by watching the game. Um, and it's stuff that we can answer in our, our live Q and A's every week too. We try to go behind the scenes and give you personality and give you explanations for why things are happening. Um, and I think there's been a movement toward that, but I think we need more of that. And I think where there maybe is a gap, in, in coverage, that's where these athletes can can do their own thing. I mean, how many, if, you know, Draymond Green has his own podcast. And, and, like, the NBA, it's like everything they do on Instagram and Twitter it goes viral. Yeah. It's They're petty. It's hilarious. You know, they like Bauer brought up how before every NBA game, there are always cameras on the players as they're walking in because fashion is so yep. important. And so just – it's just such a different lifestyle over there. And I think in baseball, it's and maybe it's because it's every day, too. We're just so accustomed to reporters going in and holding up your, your phone so you can get the quick little minute-long video that nobody wants to watch as you ask, how would you feel out there today? And Bauer says, I feel fine. I threw seven scoreless innings. How do you think I felt? And it's just like it's it, – there's so much just pointless shit out there. And, and I think – you know, it would be nice if we could have just more diverse behind the scenes content you can't get anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, I, I think those those videos that are shot more in a cinematic format are are important too. You know, we've talked <clears throat> in the past about um, how uh, Major League Baseball used to kill the VHS game. Used to have just some of the 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 best VHS tapes that you could ever find that you just wanted to have them and watch them. And, and I think a big part of that is those videos were shot in a different format. You know, it felt like it was a story being told. We, we talk all the time about WWE. So one of the best things they do as a company is some of their video montages and how they can tell a story uh, with five minutes of video uh, clips just spliced together with the right music and those sorts of things and it just helps uh when you know the people aren't complaining about it helps the, their overall brand and in their storytelling and i think baseball could have some of that too i i love when um sometimes mlb network will do this um but they'll just do they'll, they'll cover a certain aspect or a certain thing. I think the Indians even a few years ago had major league baseball come in at the end of the year and just do a little feature on them. And it was set in a very uh, storytelling cinematic aspect. And it was very, very cool. And it was just a different perspective. And it just kind of got you amped and pumped to watch what was happening on the field. And major league baseball could do more of that too. And I know uh, that's part of what Trevor has been working on too is, maybe some more of those sorts of, of montages, but I, I love all of that. It, different ways to tell stories other than just putting up game highlights and talking over it. I am all for. Remember when 
they mic'd up Jason Kipnis during a spring training game like six years ago. Uh, and he I was don't. he was singing a he was singing Adele at second <laughs> base. And like certainly he's he's playing up for the sure. camera. And and Trevor said that he was doing that too. He was just voicing all of his internal thoughts because he knew he had a mic on him the other day. Um, but I think like even when they've done it in the All Star game, they'll mic up an outfielder for an inning. Like it doesn't take much for that to add a ton to the broadcast, just just making a difference for the average casual fan. So uh, it's uh, I hope we see more of it. I hope baseball embraces this. And man, I hope they can appeal to a younger generation because it's I think part of the reason why we're always talking about what's wrong with the game is because the people who are talking about the game are the age of the people who yell <laughs> at clouds <laughs> and to get off my lawn. Oh, it is something when you watch like uh, Tony Romo, when he's doing uh, analysis on football games, you know, a lot was made about him predicting plays and those sorts of things and things that you can just learn from watching a broadcast that he's on. But you know what he does more than anything else? It sounds like he loves football, just loves it, can't get enough of it, wants to be there, enjoys being there. And unfortunately, I feel like you get into these national stages with these national broadcasts in baseball, and too many times it just doesn't – that same love just doesn't shine through. And that's unfortunate. And something needs to be done there because just having broadcasters that love the sport, um, even if, again, we all – recognize that there are things there are improvements that could be done to make the game better every sport on the planet has different things that probably could be done to make them better or more efficient but still have people that are uh carrying the torch for your game have them be out there and just sound like they love what they're doing as opposed to would rather be anywhere else in the world yeah i wonder if a rod can be the tony romo of mlb yeah i wonder i mean he is someone that obviously has passion for the game. And Mm -hmm. that's more than maybe even more than what they're saying uh, in a broadcast, how they're saying it and just the emotion that they're uh, carrying is a big part of it. I don't know. There's, there's certainly lots of things that need to be changed, but one thing we do appreciate if I can take a few minutes are those that have left us some five-star reviews. Now, I take some extra time today, Zach, because I have a lengthy list of people uh, that have left us some five-star reviews on... And because we're trying to stall so that I don't have to get murdered by a rattlesnake. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. Um, and plus, I don't know if you're doing a random any of the day. So anyways, let me pour through these. Please understand me. That's the person's name on Apple podcast uh living in cards country and says they enjoy listening to the podcast so shout out uh geo de boy i'm sorry it's just your apple name i have no idea if that's actually goes together it could be g e o de boy it could be g o d b or whatever listening in austin texas every single week we appreciate you also says zach with an h at the end is the correct spelling so just let you know blast not everyone agrees with you hog fan one two three where would they be listening nowhere else but arkansas rhino face left us a five-star review so appreciate that and hopefully no gores coming in the future z57 and then a bunch of other different numbers i 
didn't write them all down. Uh, so it made no sense to me, but said his brother got a shout out and would also like a shout out. So there's a shout out to you. And Chris, who was listening a few weeks ago when we had Terry Clark as the random Indian of the day. And thanks us for giving us more Terry Clark information than he ever needed to know. So we, <laughs> we appreciate everybody that has left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we don't just love the Apple Podcast people, too. We appreciate everybody who listens everywhere, including Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Anywhere you listen, we do appreciate it. But again, the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts definitely help us. And if you leave us one, we'll be sure to give you a shout-out. Do you want to do a random minion of the I day? I would appreciate that. Let's see if I can do better than last time. That would be great. Yeah, you need, you need redemption. This guy pitched for the Indians in 2008 and 2009. All right. Signed with the Indians as a free agent. November of 2007. November 2007. Pitched for them for two years. Okay. Did he make it through the full two years with the Indians? Um... No. 2009, he was cut in mid-July. I already don't like where this is going, but continue. He posted a 5-10 and 39 strike five innings. Gave up 77 hits. He was in his mid-30s. Uh, I have nothing so far. Nothing coming to mind. Oh, I don't have much else to give you, though. Well, that's a problem because I have no idea so far. He had six saves with the Indians in 2008. I'm trying to remember, like, the... God, I... Those saves came in like May. They were spread all over the place. Like, I don't think he was ever. Like, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Rick White. No, but he's when, the. He when is, did Rick White pitch with the Indians? He was mentioned in the clubhouse the other day because they had the number switches. So Brad Mills is now double zero. Yeah. First double zero on the team since Rick White. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. He got off to a really good start. He had a. One ERA through mid-May. And then... Yeah. Oh, man. I I don't... I don't think I have a good guess. He never pitched for another major league team. So it was just the Indians? Yes. Or never after that? Just the Indians. Wow, okay. Uh, man. Righty or lefty? Righty. Yeah, that's going to make it even more difficult. I had have a no funky idea. delivery, I believe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. He had zero career box. <laughs> oh, wait. Now I remember. No, I lost it. Nah, I got nothing. I, this is not going to be a re- redemption tour today. He in 2010 he pitched for the Yomiuri Giants in the Japanese league. Oh, good for him. That doesn't help you? No. No. 
In 2011, he pitched for the Oryx Buffaloes in the Japanese League. And Still from nothing. 1999 through 2007, he pitched for Chiba in the Japanese League. Still nothing. You have to tell me what this one is, because I, I have no clue. He shares a surname with a famous hot dog eater. Uh, wait, is it... Did he really never pitch with anybody else? Uh, Masakobayashi? Yes! It only took you 64 clues. Wow. Well, I was close at 62. Um, I'm surprised. I feel like he would have pitched somewhere else, but then again, he did join the Indians late in his playing career, so I guess that makes sense. But Yeah, he was just right. shy of his 34th birthday. So, all right. Well, you can listen to the Selby's Godcast uh, in a number of ways, including Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. What else? I don't know what you said. I mean, I listed all of them earlier. I feel like people pretty much know by now. And you can search the Selby's Godcast. Okay, fine. Any parting words? Um, apologies to Mr. Kobayashi, and I'm glad that his name is still lives on. In infamy, thanks to hot dogs. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go uh, face my fears. Good luck, man. And this was the final edition of the Selby's Godcast. Be back next week when I have a new co-host. Until then, see ya. <laughs>